This is an episode of Game Changers on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this time out, Marcus, we're going to talk about an album that has touched almost everyone we know who loves rock music. This album blew minds from the beginning. Parents hated it. People were afraid of it. But it's one of those albums that made musicians look at how they were doing things and reevaluate their playing because there was a lot of evaluation going on seriously (laughs) but why do i exist when there's Jimi hendrix i know (laughs) and the fact that he was able to bring the blues jazz psychedelia all together and make it this big beautiful mashup of music and these incredible songs that just changed the world Jimmy might say he was a crazy compendium of everything he'd experienced, man. And that's pretty much what you get on the debut album from the Jimi Hendrix Experience, Are You Experienced? The Game Changer Within the Game Changer. Brought to you, as always, by Boldfoot Socks at boldfoot.com. Check them out to make you feel good. Speaking of feeling good, have a cold one. At Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro by now, you probably know they also have craft uh, cocktails and cider and wine and soon barbecue. Real homemade barbecue. So we're talking Hendrix. We're talking these three guys who got together. And Chaz Chandler kind of orchestrated that. We'll talk a little bit about Chaz Chandler. Of course, in our two-part Hendrix episode that we did early in the podcast history, you can find that anywhere you get your podcast or at imbalancehistory.com. We talked in more detail about how Hendrix and Chandler got together as Chandler left the animal. He was looking at managing musicians, and Linda Keith had told him to check this kid out in Greenwich Village at Cafe Wa. Chaz Chandler saw him play an afternoon set, and like within a few weeks, he was taking him over to England to get him a band and to move his career forward. He saw something in this young kid. Well, Jimmy was no slouch. He'd come out of the Army. We talked about that in the episodes that we did. And made his way back to Tennessee, got himself on the Chitlin circuit, working with the Isley Brothers, working with Little Richard, the guys who gave him a chance to make his bones, to you know, to get his chops, to get his feet under him. So he was kind of ready. And when he ends up in New York, he's just hanging in the scene, man, there in the village. Wow, was like one of the cool spots to be. And Linda Keith comes up as a key character in our two-part episode about Hendrix and his whole life. This week, we want to talk about that amazing debut album. And it was different. Like so many albums in the 60s, Marcus, new albums from new artists, definitely still under the control of the label people as to what songs will be on which territories version definitely the case here with the u.s and the uk release so weird how they do that you know i always thought it was random until i started looking at it and i kind of made a chart did you see what i did in our prep file for this episode i did um there's a list of both albums side by side Side one and side two. And there's a few songs that are not on the U.S. version. Let's talk about that first. Because Red House, motherfucker, is one of my favorites. all, And one of my favorite blues songs. And here's my thought on that. They didn't want to project an image of Jimmy as a blues man in the United States. So they took that one off. And Hey Joe was already a hit over in U.K. Let's put that one on in its place. Because it's new here in the States. Starting to make sense a little? A little, but if it was a hit in the UK, why didn't it go on the UK album? You know, it's that whole, oh, we already did that at it. Yeah, but 
if you want people to listen to the whole album, drawing them in with a massive hit like Hey Joe is a great way to get people to buy the album. Well, I guess we're going to have to ask the right people about this. Get the research <laughs> team on the case. Can You See Me, which I really love, Marcus, is on the UK version, and they juggle a few tracks there on side one with Lover Confusion and I Don't Live Today being mixed in. I Don't Live Today, by the way, was Hendrix speaking out to all the oppressed people of the world. In case people just thought it was like fluffy rock music in the city. Will I live tomorrow? Will I just can't say? Will I live tomorrow? Will I just can't say? substance to the lyrics and the thoughts and the one song that made it into the movie singles one of your favorites may this be love is on side one in the u.s version and side two on the uk version these are the things that we're finding right one other song that's on the uk version it's called remember that's not on the u.s version and honestly ironically i don't really remember it even though i've listened to every morsel of jimmy's music i can get my ears on i don't remember that one Remember the mockingbird, my baby boy. He used to sing for something, baby. Yes, he used to sing for his dinner, baby. He used to sing so sweet, but since my baby left me, he ain't sang a tune all day. Side two. Remember. Now, The Wind Cries Mary is on side two, kind of taking the spot of Remember. And that was a UK single, too. It was like the second or third single over there. So we're trying to catch up, kind of, to what's going on with our own guy, an American citizen in London. And Wind Cries Mary starts off side two because of that. So cool. Yeah, even looking at the changing of the order of the track listings between the U.S. version and the U.K. version, I find very fascinating as well. But I understand how with single releases and with how the album impacted each of the mm -hmm. places, they had to change the order up and do it. But they also did different covers, too. You make perfect sense, but you know what? That doesn't explain Purple Haze. The only song on the American verse, just as we are definitely getting psychedelicized here in America. Maybe more so than the UK. Is that maybe why it was on our album? Because Acid in 1967 was very widespread.
that really isn't about acid. It's about a dream Jimmy had. Yeah, but Purple Haze is definitely about the acid named Purple Haze. There's no two ways about it. Dream or not, he was probably dreaming on Purple Haze. I have the evidence. Okay, but he said that it wasn't about acid. It was about a dream he had where he was walking underwater and or walking uh, in there was this purple haze and there was uh, just. But purple haze could be a cloudy sky. Changing my mind about this because that's exactly what you'd have a dream about if you were tripping all night on purple haze. I'm just saying. I don't know. Whatever the story is, buddy, it's on the U.S. version and not the U.K. version, which is another question why. Think about it. The Stones got busted. Brian Jones had some drug issues. The U.K. was clamping down on the musicians with the drug issues. So maybe that was even part of it because it was 67 when that album came out. And that's about the time the Stones and Brian Jones got busted for their drug issues. So you're right, because it happened in February with the Stones. Ah, so I wonder if that had anything to do with leaving that off. Oh, yeah, it does. So it only underlines my, yeah, it's about the drug thing. No matter, that's a wild dream, though. And whether you're on acid or not, that's a wild. There's one step we left out in the uh, discussion of Jimmy's getting to be the solo guy. And that's the time he spent in Curtis Knight's band, The Squires. It kind of really was a formative thing for him because it really led around to him becoming his own guy. And that leads us around to the Jimi Hendrix experience, Noel Redding, Mitch Mitchell, and Jimmy. It all coalesces. And that's when Chaz Chandler really gets the picture of what's going on. He saw what was happening at Cafe Wa. He gets him in the studio in England. And what do you think he was thinking after he saw the first few sessions for that album? He was probably blown away by their chemistry and the fact that they were able to come together so quickly because when they stepped into the studio, the three of them had only been together for a few weeks before those initial recordings. So they really hadn't gotten into a full groove. They, I'm just trying to put it together in my head. He hears something. Yes, he he hears something. And then he's, he takes major steps because he hears something. In he brings him over and he gets them together. They, they audition and go through the process and they get him in the studio. And then he hears them together. And I just really never got the picture of what Chaz was thinking about that because it was his vision when you think about it. Even in the studio, they were doing things groundbreakingly different. Jimmy had his Marshall stacks at full volume. Like this one goes to 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 yeah. or something like that. And everybody was <laughs> freaking out because it was so loud. The bank above them couldn't handle it or the businesses above the, the studio the couldn't handle it. They were freaking out. I'd Even like Chaz to Chandler. $4 and I want you to stop that racket. It's yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but like Chaz Chandler at one point had asked Jimmy to turn down his amps and he freaked out was like, are you fucking kidding me? No way. And I guess he threw a rock and roll tantrum was like, nope, 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 nope. I am not doing it. He knew what he wanted. He knew what he heard. He knew the distortion that he was looking for, and they played loud and hard and furious, and that's what Jimmy was trying to achieve. I can only imagine that Chaz Chandler was blown away by what he was seeing and experiencing, even if it was really loud. And it was. Oh, just a note to you, my friend. When you say nope, nope, nope these days, people immediately flash on that Jordan Peele movie and the commercial for it. Nope. Have you seen that? (laughs) Nope. Nope, you'll know what I mean. As soon as you see it, you'll be saying, nope, not saying that anymore. Nope. <laughs> Scary comedy shit. That's what it looks like. Jordan. It's going to make you laugh, but it's going to scare the hell out of you. Jordan Peele's a master at doing that. Nope. 
nope. It's that reaction, you know, when you hear something or see something and you Mm -hmm. want to be in denial for a quick moment. Nope. Nope. You know, we always come around to this when we're doing album discussions. Which territories version do we use? The UK or the North American US version? Or do we just talk about it as we go? Two different songs start Are You Experienced? In the UK, it's Foxy Lady. Is that Monica? No, it's Lithophane. Um, oh, yeah. Lithophane, and I can't believe I'm drawing a blank on her name. Lithophane Pridgen. Yep. Lithophane, yes. the Beat original you to it. foxy lady. You know, in those days, if you called someone a foxy lady, you didn't get a funny look or a smack. True, true, true. And we were talking about Purple Haze and having a little bit of a debate about it, but that's where they start the U.S. version. And maybe they wanted to put foxy lady further down the album like they did in the u.s but we'll never know there are some spots where this album runs side by side brother and that includes manic depression one of those early songs that made you think man this guy's deep he's not just playing la la songs you know he's really deep and made you think maybe he suffered from some depression issues I'm going to bet that through his traumatic childhood and some of the things that he experienced in his early days, there's definitely some uh, mental health issues there, and depression might have been one of them, anxiety might have been one of them, PTSD, and I think he was able to calm himself with his guitar and maybe find peace with his guitar in so many ways. But. Maybe that's why Al sent it to him when he was in the service and having a hard time. When you get to the third track on side one, buddy, you've got that Red House Over Yonder on the UK version and Hey Joe, the Billy Roberts song on the US version. Now, Hey Joe does what they expect and opens the door for Jimmy in the US for airplay. And this is 67, so we're not yet to the underground rock radio being in full bloom. It's going to be like the perfect place for an artist like Jimmy. Hey Joe.
But meanwhile, Red House is establishing Jimmy as a burn the fucking barn down kind of player. You know what I'm saying? I have a bad bad. said about the United States not wanting to give Jimmy his props as a blues guitarist so he they didn't want him to get known as a blues guitarist I think is why they kept that off but man it's such a ripper it is a ripper of a song next up on side one in the UK is can you see me and then love or confusion you don't hear can you see me a lot although the version I have on my iPod yes I still have one and it and, works and it works so far <sighs> so I have the British version there and I hear can you see me all the time but lover confusions in the number four spot in the US version and number five in the UK version now I'm confusing people <laughs> But then, May This Be Love, one of the non-hit, non-big FM tracks that may be one of my favorite Jimmy songs of all time, one of the most beautiful pieces of music he ever did. I agree 100%. It's one of my all-time favorite songs of his. He's talking about, and so am I, May This Be Love. And that's the fifth song on side one in the U.S. and the start of side two for the U.K. Some people say they dream is for Remember when that song popped up in the movie Singles, the Cameron Crowe movie? Yeah. It's still oh, one yeah, of my where favorite. On the kitchen yep. floor, and they're just kind of like feeling it, and the mm -hmm. album is kind of like uh, war slightly warped and mm -hmm. it's wobbly, and yeah, great S stuff. Still one of my favorite movie music scenes of all time. I get goosebumps when I hear that song. Still, it's right in there with Tiny Dancer in uh, Almost Famous. You know what I mean? Was yeah. if you just sit there and every time you go, man, every moment of this is great. And it's also because I think because the key point that the two characters are in uh, in the film singles too. And the U.S. version wraps up with I Don't Live Today. Oh, look, Marcus, both territories in simpatico. The sixth song on both I Don't Live Today. Just one of those great Jimmy songs. 
Oh, yeah. And that's one of those deep cuts that I wish I heard more on classic rock radio because it's a spicy one that would add a lot of flavor to that format. And it's one that you can play safely. I'll put forth the premise that were it not for the fact by the time that they would have gotten to that single, third, fourth track and FM was starting to filter in and all that, Jimmy already was working on a double album and they had to push that new album. They weren't going to milk the first one. They got what they got from that. You understand with the, like the thinking in the business part. Ray, as we pause to flip the record and continue our discussion, what do you say we grab a quick pint of Crooked Eye, change our socks, and get ready for the second side of Are You experienced thirst it's a need marcus you need to satisfy a real thirst and what a better way than with a nice fresh craft beer at crooked eye in the heart of hatboro and my vinyl night is moving to its permanent home the second tuesday of the month come and see us bring your vinyl if you want or I'll bring mine. You can't forget that Friday nights from 4 to 11, there's live music over at Crooked Eye and open mic night the first, third, and fifth Mondays of the month. First, third, fifth. I can't do math when I'm drinking at Crooked Eye. Well, the brews are cold and they're always fresh, always the favorites and something new on the board there at the brewery location in Hapro. And the big news is the opening of the Crooked Eye Kitchen with Salty Vets Barbecue. Oh, yeah. All the good stuff, and we'll be telling you more about them. Serving the cure for what ails you since 2014, we thank them for their support. Of the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll podcast. You know, Marcus, when Marisa got back from her power walk the other day, she started doing a testimonial for Boldfoot Socks, so I told her, hold on, and I sat her down and had her record it. Hey, Marisa, tell us all about your Boldfoot Socks. You know how much I love to go out on that 5.30 a.m. power walk, and I'm usually coming home sweating and dripping wet from head to toe. But since I bought my Boldfoot Socks, that isn't true anymore, at least not for my toes. After any workout or one of my long walks, I take off my shoes, I take off my socks, and I can't believe how dry my feet are. Even my socks aren't really that wet. These are the bold foot socks that I'm telling you about. Uh, They're so comfortable that I barely feel them on my feet when I'm walking or exercising. Every time you put on these socks, there's two words in capital letters that have so much meaning. You see the words, be bold. What that means to me is that if I'm going to go out for that walk, that jog, to the gym, wherever I'm going, it gives me a message that I can give it my best shot, that I can be empowered. I know it sounds crazy. It's just a pair of socks, but that's what it does for me. And they also wick the sweat away. That's Boldfoot Socks at Boldfoot.com. Check them out and be bold. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. And we are back and refreshed and ready to discuss side two of Are You Experienced? A Game Changer on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. Ray, you ready to continue? So they were moving forward to the, you know, this great new album. He's the kid's amazing. He's going to do all kinds of things for the label. This and this, we're going to just move forward. They didn't know. Now, May This Be Love is where side two starts for the UK kids. So they start with that as their... Uh, emotional feel good right in the u.s side two starts with the wind cries mary which we talked about had been a uk single and i think we got the good end of the deal because that song is one of my all-time favorites after all the jets are in the boxes and the clowns have all gone to bed you can hear happiness staggering on down the street it's a beautiful song and the imagery he creates with both his lyrics and his guitar are fantastic there's a few slots on the album buddy where the songs are the same and in the same spot and that includes fire in the second slot on side two of both versions of are you experienced Fire's just a ripper, just a two-minute ripper. The incendiary nature of James Marshall Hendrix. The next song on both versions of the album is Third Stone from the Sun, which you were playing for Luca this morning. What's a six-year-old in the 21st century's impression of that song? He couldn't believe the sounds that were coming out of that. And he was shocked that some of those noises were from a guitar. And I think that really impressed him.
One of the things that I read about this is that the song is about uh, an alien who came to Earth, evaluated humans, determined that they were unfit. They destroy the humans and then place Earth in care of chickens. And I wonder, was Bowie's five years concept inspired by this? Yeah, we're going to do the chicken dance through the rest of the episode. He does the whole thing, comes in, bombs the planet, turns around. See ya, bitches. Oh, the places you'll go, Marcus. Sorry. We'll go. I mean, <laughs> we're talking, are you experienced? And that was kind of a subtle, you know, hey, are you clued in, man, to what's going down these days? Most people just thought it was the title of an album and thought it was cool, looked groovy, you know, with the psychedelic posters they were putting on their walls. But increasingly, people were aware of hidden meanings of these kind of things. So here we are on side two of the album, and the UK version has that song Remember, which ironically I didn't really remember, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And then Foxy Lady with the U.S. spelling F-O-X-E-Y. Always something. That was the fourth track, and the question is answered in the previous ten tracks. Are you experienced? If you can just get your mind together. Then come on across to me We'll hold hands and then we'll watch the sunrise From the bottom of the sea But first, are you experienced? Or have you ever been experienced? Well, I question in 1967 was pretty much no because people didn't know what they didn't know was out there jimmy was part of the wave of psychedelia that said hey let's go further like the dead like the doors like the beatles bob dylan let's go further are you experienced I still think that people are trying to answer that question today because I still think that there are people who don't get Jimi Hendrix and what he was doing. The original Rolling Stone album review included them saying, while the musicianship was great and all, the lyrics were really shallow and nonsensical, which tells me that the reviewer had no idea what Jimmy was saying and couldn't comprehend his lyrics, whereas most of your average listeners could understand what he was saying singing about marcus you know i gotta ask which scribe of the time wrote those words it was john landau 
Well, not every writer gets everything, and uh, he got a few other things right, so I think he can let him slide there. He said, despite Jimmy's musical brilliance and the group's total precision, the poor quality of the songs and the inanity of the lyrics too often got in the way. And though he praised the band's instrumental virtuosity, Lando slammed their brash attack, concluding that the sum of all this is pure violence. To me, first off, he misinterpreted the lyrics. Second, he hadn't really been experienced yet in the regard <laughs> of Dr. Leary's prescription. Let's just say that. Everybody's got their own perspective. We never say we're right about anything or everything, but I don't think he got that one quite right. Maybe not the review that he's most proud of, Marcus. Maybe not. I mean, the inanity of the lyrics is the thing that stood out to me the most because there is no inanity in the lyrics. He uses beautiful imagery to tell stories and he wants you to have your mind be active and thinking about it as you're listening to it and feeling it. And I think Jimmy tried to immerse you into a full body experience with his music. There's a couple notes I had about this episode that I wanted to bring into the conversation. One is on the credits, there is a backup vocal credit for a group called the Breakaways. They were kind of the go-to in the British studios. Uh, if you needed a backup vocal from women, you would call them. They would come in, do their thing, and they were on a lot of records. And it says they were on Hey Joe, but I listened with that in mind and can't really hear discernible backup vocals the way you would expect to hear them. But that was one note that I found. And the other thing was that all this leads to him going to Monterey at the behest, really, of Paul McCartney, who had seen him at the London Polytechnic the night we talk about in the Jimi Hendrix episode, mm -hmm. which, by the way, folks, they're really great episodes. Two episodes about Jimi Hendrix, and you can go to our website imbalancehistory.com. Just go to the search engine and type in Jimi Hendrix. It'll all pop up, anything on the site about Jimi, but specifically, those two episodes are really great listening. We're really proud of them, so check those out. But that night leads to Paul McCartney recommending that he be brought over to play at Monterey since the Beatles were turning them down for it. And you and I know now, we probably both have talked to people who were there at Monterey in 1967. It was the year that set the festival up for a long run and launched Jimmy and so many other people. Oh, yeah. We should probably do a whole episode just about Monterey in 67 and beyond. Absolutely. That would be a fun episode to tackle because we'd get to listen to and watch all those incredible set performances and study them. I have some notes, too, about Are You Experienced that I found very interesting. And one of them was, was the two different album covers, which I know with the different song titles and all of that, they sometimes do two different album covers. But Jimmy hated the UK cover because he had like these bat cape wings and the cape was right behind the heads of uh, Noel and Mitch and he was standing above them like he was like a Dracula or something. And that didn't groove with him at all. Well, you must have really hated the French version, which I'm looking at right now, which is all puffy Peter Max type psychedelic stuff and something in the middle that I can't quite make out. I'll just say that. These are the things that were outside the artist's control then, man. It sucked for them sometimes. You see something and you're like, what the hell was that? But he did have creative say in the uh, United States album cover because he wanted it to look more like what the Hollies were doing. And we got that big, beautiful yellow and purple uh, album cover of his with the the psychedelic round photo in the center. Another thing that I found very interesting in reading about this album, none of the original songs were performed live by the experience before they were recorded. They recorded everything before ever performing it live. They were really that new. 
They yes. really were. Oh, I'm looking at the UK cover. That's a horrible photo. Oh, Jimmy hated it. Oh. One more interesting fact about Jimmy's sound that I found was that this was the introduction of the Octavia pedal, which is an octave doubling guitar effect, and it made its debut on Purple Haze. You know those super high-end notes at the very end? Yeah. Uh, that was done by the Octavia pedal, and I was reading about it, but it would be great for somebody that's a guitar person to explain what it does, but it gave it a new sound that pushed it over the top and something that really stood out. I'm pulling up that sound in my head while you're talking, and I think what it does is it narrows the sound, whatever wavelength that it's creating. I think it narrows it and pitches it up a little without changing the actual bend of the note. You know, the note itself doesn't change it from to a, a major minor or anything like that. It just stays on pitch, but it makes it scream. And when they sent the recording of Purple Haze over to the mixing people, they had in tape on the box cover, Deliberate Distortion do not correct. Wow, I guess they had to, right? So, yep, so Jimmy and Chaz really knew what Jimmy wanted and what he felt and what he, his vision was at that point, and that's pretty fascinating. It's probably why Jimmy went with him and trusted him, because he knew the guy got him, understood him. And he gave Jimmy the creative freedom to do his art, too. The question remains, have you ever been experienced? Keep your mind open. Keep listening to Jimi Hendrix. I tell you what, I have found that that is one of the keys to happiness in musical listening life. Just keep listening to Hendrix. Can't go wrong with Hendrix. And I don't know if a lot of younger fans realize that not only are there the Warner Brothers albums that he made when he was alive, not only are there collections made from the stuff that he was working on when he died, but there's a couple collections that were conceptually albums that were found and released over the last 20 or so years that you really should go and check it out. I would say explore the Jimi Hendrix discography in many ways. And along that path, you'll find a lot of music that you didn't know existed because we're still doing that. We've been following Jimmy for over 50 years. I always get excited when we find out we're getting an unheard Jimmy song. Always get excited for that. It's a fun ride when you take a roll with Jimi Hendrix at the wheel, buddy. Always. Oh, God, yes. I think this is the point where we usually, as we always do, invite people to chime in. Let us know what they've been thinking about, what we're discussing today about Jimi Hendrix and Are You Experienced? There's plenty of stuff we missed. We know we didn't cover everything, but we really dug in and wanted to put the music out there in this episode of Game Changers. Because when you look at the way people like Eric Clapton and other guitar players notably change the way they approach the guitar after hearing this album. And it says a lot about the mind-expanding nature of guitar through the 60s into the 70s and beyond. All because a guy got it in his head to go there. If you've experienced Jimi Hendrix, we want to hear about it as well. Especially if you saw him live. If any of you are listening and you saw Jimmy live, we want to hear from you at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. Or you can leave a note on our Facebook page at the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll or on Twitter at Imbalanced Histo. And if you haven't, follow along. All you do is click one button when you go to our page or our Twitter account. And we appreciate that and you being part of the thing that we do here every week on the podcast. Thanks to our sponsors, Crooked Eye Brewery and the folks at Bold Foot Socks. From the Dark Duck Studios, I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. This has been Game Changers. Are you experienced on the imbalanced history of rock and roll? It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 